0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Hello and welcome to a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 1. 59. that is the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm all across the sports grid network as well i am ben stevens thank you for joining us here live on this tuesday on sports grid and the morning after super wild card weekend is now in the books all six playoff matchups in the opening round of the national football league postseason have been decided the division is set for matchups on two days this upcoming weekend we'll look back on the finale on a monday night in tampa bay in just a moment but plenty around the national football league to get to in terms of the future of the league both for playoff teams and others that seasons have already come to a close we check in around the association we'll set the stage for the division around all of that and more over the course of these next two hours live right here on the morning after we bring you up until 11 a.m eastern time on sports grid the finale of super wild card weekend last night in Tampa Bay the storylines entering the Dallas Cowboys in their playoff struggles since the millennium the year 2000 the Cowboys just three in eight in postseason games facing a team led by Tom Brady Tom Brady's 35 postseason victories more than any other NFL player had even appeared in a postseason game so that was the history entering last night But the Buccaneers were a below 500 football team, eight and nine. Yes, the NFC South divisional champs taking advantage of a porous division, but they looked all parts of a below 500 football team and the Cowboys take advantage in a big way on Monday night in Tampa. The Cowboys get their fourth Postseason victory in the last 22 years with a 31-14 win in Tampa Bay over the Buccaneers. Some late line movement closed the number at three in favor of the Cowboys. They easily cover that number. All five totals to start off Super Wild Card Weekend entering last night had hit the over. Last night's number, five and a half for that over-under and the total barely stays under by the hook, the only under of all of Super Wild Card Weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have only been booked as an underdog four times now in the last two years, including last night. Not good as an underdog this season. 0-4 against the spread, not covering by an average margin of 13.4 points per game. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers will end the year in the bottom 10 in terms of their scoring offensive output, and we saw that... On a miserable display last night. Tom Brady threw the football 66 times last night. We told you entering the game. The Buccaneers had the highest passing play clip. In all of the National Football League. 67% of the time. They throw the football. 73% at home. 66 throws last night. Playing from a deficit very early on in the first quarter they throw the football 66 times they only run it twice back to those props for tom brady 275 and a half was his passing yards number he goes over that with 351 two passing touchdowns as well and tom brady who broke his own record from last year this year in 2022 entering last night with 490 completions all year long a new single season record in the national football league tom goes over his completions prop last night as well finishing with 35 again 35 of 66 a lot of work for a 45 year old quarterback was that the last time we see tom brady throw a football in a national football league game That will be a conversation now moving forward this offseason for Tom and Tampa Bay. in just a minute a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the opening out of a tuesday live on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well i am ben stevens the cowboys go on the road 31 to 14 the final last night in tampa bay easily covering as a three-point favorite a closing total at 45 and a half stays under by the hook the only under we saw All of Super Wild Card Weekend. All six playoff matchups. As we look at the ground attack again, when the Buccaneers throw the football 66 times, They didn't run it a ton, only 12 times as a team. For the first time in his Buccaneer playoff career, Leonard Fournette goes under that number of 38 and a half. Rashad White did go over his rushing yards prop with 41. And Tony Pollard back in a big way for the Cowboys last night. 77 yards on 15 rush attempts. He was under 48 and a half in his final two games of the regular season. But over that number of 48 and a hook that you see there for last night and nine of the 11 before, a huge component of the offense but when you look at the offense last night for Dallas it was really Dak Prescott a sensational game for Dak picking up just his second ever playoff victory 25 of 33 305 yards and Dak Prescott involved on all five Dallas touchdowns last night he threw four of them through the air two to Dalton Schultz who finished with 95 yards as well and Dak Prescott also finding Pater with his own legs involved in all five touchdowns for the Cowboys the Buccaneers stay under their touchdown ready for you each and every day we try to predict what's going to happen before the game happens because we have a morning show here we're not entirely sure what the game flow will look like and our producer John James put in the kicker props for last night I'm glad he did because that was a huge storyline of yesterday Brett Maher on the first four touchdowns for the Dallas Cowboys misses all four extra points the only time in NFL history a kicker has missed four PATs in a single NFL football game postseason regular season or otherwise so Dallas advances to the divisional round they'll take on the San Francisco 49ers in the final game of the divisional round on Sunday afternoon in Santa Clara for plenty more reaction all okay, K-Dubs Kevin Walsh gets in the mix next on the morning out live right here on a tuesday on the morning after on sports grid entering into the fold it is all k dubs live right here on tma kevin walsh one of the co-hosts of the early line each and every weekday morning 7 a.m to 9 a.m eastern time joins us here on the morning after and i am ben stevens kevin walsh is the originator of many things the spizz grizz network as you hear us say on a daily basis turtleneck tuesday although he is still yet to take part and when kevin one of the of the early line joins us here on the morning after it becomes a new program entirely a new program Hmm. the early after after. okay dubs Great to have you here on a Tuesday, my man. I love to see that smile on your face bright and early on a Tuesday morning.
2: Uh, Where else uh, would I want to be? I I know I I have not truly respected Turtleneck Tuesday, but every day is a great day to be a gal. we go with a little Iona here uh, on deck. We make it splash uh, on this delightful Tuesday. I mean, where else would you want to be? The world is, is filled with joy
1: absolutely so kevin walsh absolutely so all right let's react to what we saw last night the finale of super wild card weekend on a monday in tampa bay we'll get to the long-term picture of potentially tom brady's Final NFL game in just a couple of moments. But, Kev, let's first start with the Dallas Cowboys. Just their fourth postseason win since the year 2000. In more than two decades. 31-14 last night in Tampa Bay. Dak Prescott was sensational. 305 yards. Four passing scores. Five total touchdowns. And the Cowboys looked like the much better side. Easily covering as a three-point favorite kev entering last night when there were still five teams available in the running for an nfc title the cowboys were plus 550 to win the conference championship obviously there was going to be movement in a shorter way for dallas if they won last night and they do take more than two dollars off plus three what impressed you most kev about dallas's performance last night on the road in tampa
2: it's a good question i i think I don't want to say I expected everything that played out this way, though I was very prepared for how this game played out. If I would have told you a month ago, because let's be honest, we knew this was going to be the game for a long time, right? The odds at least told us that. The Birds were heavy, heavy favorites to be the one seed. The Bucks were heavy favorites to win the NFC South, even if there were maybe some slight moments of doubt. I mean, if I would have told you a month ago that the Dallas Cowboys, one of the six best teams in football, went up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a below-average team, and the game was 31-14. Would you really have been all that surprised? No. No. But week 18 happens, and apparently the other 17 weeks didn't matter. And then all of a sudden, everybody thought that Dak Prescott was going to hang six points for consecutive weeks. It's it's a preposterous notion. Or the thought Brady and the Bucks found their rhythm because of a fourth-quarter comeback against a Sam Donald-led Carolina Panthers and a Panthers team that, by the way, lost both starting quarters going into the football game. Again, it's just it was a ridiculous notion. I think what was the biggest thing for Dak is he didn't throw an interception. Now, if I were him, I would have thrown one to try and get it out of the way because now he's definitely going to throw one next week. But that's probably the best thing for Dak Prescott is at least show to himself, oh, maybe I don't have to find – the other team at least once a game as he had done seven straight games heading into this matchup
1: kev as you look at dak prescott 15 interceptions in just 12 regular season games seven consecutive games with an int to end out the year but last night anything but 25 of 33 305 yards four passing scores and hand up oftentimes when we handicap here we try to trust the metrics the trends the numbers All of that. And I kind of bought more into the narrative. Now, I didn't have a bet on the side. I didn't feel strongly enough to do so. But it was the Dallas Cowboys who have struggled mightily in the last two-plus decades in the postseason against Tom Brady. And until my eyes saw the GOAT lose a playoff game where he looked like a shell of himself and a true 45-year-old trying to still play football, I would have to believe it. Last night, we did see that. So quickly here, Kev. We'll get into this later on throughout the morning after. Do you think last night
2: was the final NFL game we will see out of Tom Brady? Not at all. And I felt maybe a bit silly watching the game because that's all Joe Buck and Trey Aikman could talk about. And I get it's part of the deal, but not at all. If he retires, I will be significantly more surprised than when he first retired. Although I don't know, maybe that was just Schefter getting a couple tweets off. I, I don't think there's any chance <laughs> he steps away from the game. I, I, I don't see it at all. I, now, I also don't think he's going to be back in Tampa Bay, but I would be very surprised mm. if Tom Brady allows that to be his final game.
1: That's very, it's a really good point there, Kev. It might not be his final NFL game overall, but maybe his last in a Tampa Bay uniform. Miami, Las Vegas, many of possibilities for Tom Brady. Speaking of quarterbacks potentially on the move, Have we seen the last of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? He did not play in the final seven games, including the wild card weekend loss on a Sunday night in Cincinnati. You can see there from our good friend Warren Sharp, the drastic difference in Baltimore building around Lamar Jackson and their win percentage when he's in the lineup as the starting quarterback versus when he is not. Kevin will be the storyline of the offseason for the Ravens and most of the National Football League. What do you think is the ultimate result when all is said and done? Will Lamar Jackson be in Baltimore to start
2: off 2023? I think the favorite, if you're setting odds, is him getting a long-term extension from the Baltimore Ravens. It comes down to, will Lamar settle or will he go for every single bit of the money that could be on the table? And that has been my question long before Harbaugh opted to make this all awkward at every single press conference he was given the opportunity to. The Baltimore Ravens might think that they do not need to offer him a fully max guaranteed, not max, that's the NBA, but a fully guaranteed contract, whatever it is. And I understand the precedent of the NFL is you don't have to. However, if you trade Lamar... The team trading for Lamar will probably give him that fully guaranteed contract. The New York Jets, any team in the NFC South, probably some other sleepers that you wouldn't anticipate entering the conversation. So Lamar can press it down. I know some Ravens fans have opted for the narrative of, Pfft, Lamar's not out there. Yeah, and you lose when he's not. I mean, are we still questioning the value of Lamar Jackson? That can't be a thing, right? I mean, I don't know. Do you want to try and see what happens if Justin Fields or Derek Carr have to throw to Devin Duvernay and James Prochet? Stop the madness. My goodness gracious. He stink when he's not out there.
1: Kev, you mentioned what Baltimore has built around Lamar. They have run their organization for Lamar Jackson. If they were to let him walk, they would have a full-blown rebuild and restructure of everything they do, schematically, roster-wise, all of that. A big offseason ahead, in the charm city in baltimore kev you have often shared some thoughts over brandon staley's two years as the head man in la about his future potential as a national football league head coach and a successful one at that certainly in question after saturday night in duval county but his young third year quarterback in justin herbert saying this quote Everyone would be lucky to have a coach like Staley. He's been an incredible leader and has the respect of everyone on our team. He's genuine, he's himself, and has been the same person for the past two years. So Kevin Walsh, I ask you a two-part question here quickly. Should the Chargers Mm -hmm. keep
2: Brandon Staley? Will they keep Brandon Staley? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, obviously they shouldn't keep him. He's horrendous. Uh, he's terrible at his job. Uh, I mean, the first team to ever uh, win the turnover margin by five plus in a playoff game and lose. Uh, shout out Brandon Staley. He's awful. Uh, his offensive coordinator is awful. So I guess that's going to be a bit of a prize. I, I don't think they're going to get rid of him, which is fantastic. It, you know what? I had a moment of, of mortality when I saw that game play, Like, oh my goodness, this is it. it. What a ride! We get to do it again. He's going to be the favorite to win Coach of the Year, and then. They're gonna underachieve, and then we're gonna hear, well, hold on a minute, but they were a little bit injured and the defense actually gave up a thousand yards per carry this season. Stop the Madness. He's awful. We all know it. We all know it.
1: You can always find the tang here on the morning app. More of the show-up.
0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: The divisional round of the National Football League postseason is now set. Four games over the span of two days, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, eight teams still left, all in the hunt for the ultimate prize, the Lombardi Trophy as champions at Super Bowl 57. Storylines abound as we get to this portion of the NFL playoffs. So with Kevin Walsh still here, there's only one thing for us to do. It's not just guess the line, it's guess the story line. Listen, our producer, John James, having way too much fun with the geography bit for the headline of the Jaguars and Chiefs game at Arrowhead. Lawrence says, Trevor Lawrence, Kev. Kansas as in the first part of Kansas City, despite the fact that Arrowhead is in Missouri. So the headline goes, Lawrence, Kansas, in parentheses, City. Oh, it's fun here on the morning after, to say the least. The Chiefs, an eight and a half point favorite, Kevin Walsh at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first game up of the doubleheader on Saturday to start off the NFL's divisional round. Let's start with this game first and foremost. Kev, you've been pretty high on Jacksonville all year long. The comeback that they had, the way that Trevor Lawrence played following those four first-half interceptions. Does it give you any belief in Jacksonville entering this game in Kansas City, Missouri, that this game will be more competitive than the eight-and-a-half-point spread would say?
2: I think that Jacksonville has a very, very small chance to win this game with a great chance to cover because this is what the Chiefs like to do. The Chiefs, whether whether the Chiefs want to be trailing at half or be up by double digits, they will find a way to allow Jacksonville to find their way within the number. But at home, yeah. Andy Reid off of a bye and the best quarterback in the National Football League all just feel like a massive mountain to climb. You're right. I love this Jags team and I've been higher on them for than everybody for a very long time. I mean, nearly a year ago is when we got involved with 120 to 1, but they were still a 9 and 8 football team that is going up against a team that makes sure they are in the AFC Championship game on a yearly basis. Absolutely.
1: The Chiefs have hosted the AFC title game each of the past 4 years. Well, see where the AFC championship game is played at the conclusion of the divisional round. The Chiefs have been a double or a north of a touchdown favorite, rather, eight times this year, just three and five against the spread. The idea is KC doesn't often cover as a favorite, let alone a touchdown or more favorite. The one time they did, or one of the three times, I should say, was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week number 10 in Arrowhead is a nine and a half point favorite. The Chiefs won by 10. But it's guess the storyline, Kev, from the result that we see on Saturday in Kansas City. Will it be after a performance from Jacksonville that Trevor Lawrence is a top five quarterback in the national football league option two: the chiefs are vulnerable in big games or Kev, we gave you the option this week to add in your own Hmm. storyline on the fly.
2: What if I just add in a word and what if that is not Trevor Lawrence is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. This is now, I think starting to be a conversation for some. And, And again, this is the 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 most unpious man in, in what is becoming really the history of sports mm-hmm. media. I love Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, for sure. Love Trevor Lawrence since the Clemson days. I've been nothing but but complimentary of Jacksonville. But there is a, a lot of goalpost moving that's seemingly happening for old T Law here. He threw four picks against the Chargers. If the Chargers were coached by quite frankly any other human being in the history of this planet, <laughs> that's a loss. And we're talking about how disappointing this playoff debut was for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was not a top-five quarterback by any single measure during this regular season. Tenth in passer rating, 15th in QBR, 16th on pro football focus, 8th in passing touchdowns, 10th in passing yard. None of that is top-five. And then we get to the playoff game. Because this is the incredible thing about that game. I know the comeback was glorious. His passer rating was better than Skyler Thompson. And that's it in terms of all 12 quarterbacks that just played. Just Skyler Thompson. His QBR was better than Skyler, Tom Brady, and Josh Allen. How you doing? I hope we got to that one. This is the deal with Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) He is a superstar with top five potential who has absolutely cemented his space inside the top five. But it is wildly unfair to every other quarterback in this league that Trevor Lawrence, with one half of football, gets put into the top five when Lamar Jackson won an MVP award and there's still people that wonder if he's even a franchise quarterback.
1: Kev, I will say one thing about Trevor Lawrence.
2: When you get to the playoffs,
1: oftentimes nicknames become associated with your performances. You can think of Reggie Jackson for the New York Yankees, Mister October, Mr. June, Reggie Jackson for the L.A. Clippers and what he did a couple of postseasons ago, and maybe Mr. Saturday for Trevor Lawrence. Now, a perfect 38-0 at the three levels of football he has played, high school, college and now in the National Football League 3 and0 in high school in Cartersville at Cartersville High School in Georgia 33 and O on a Saturday his time with the clemson tigers now two and zero in games that he has started as a quarterback in the regular or postseason in the national football league he did start two preseason games on a saturday in his two years the jaguars lost both of those so maybe some hope for the kansas city chiefs booked as an eight and a half point favorite at home against the jags on saturday the final game on saturday the nightcap at the link in philadelphia Kev the birds a seven and a half point favorite also fresh off the buy as these NFC's number one overall seed. Kev when you look at this spread now north of a touchdown with the hook added on do you give any credence at all to the notion that it's difficult to beat a time to-, to beat a team three teams in a season three times in a season excuse me.
2: Yeah, you know, it's 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 a very interesting thing. So now with the win that the Niners put up, I believe in the last twenty years it is thirteen and seven. Teams going for the sweep have swept. Though there is a bit of a balance there when you consider the fact that those teams before that third game were winning a hundred percent of the football games, right? Thirteen and seven, while still a significant margin obviously does go to show that things tighten up there a little bit. I believe those teams 10-9-1 against the spread in those 20 examples. So it is, it is difficult, but that doesn't mean it is improbable. In fact, odds hmm. are you will beat that team a third time because you are better than that team. And when you think about beating the team outright as a seven and a half
1: point favorite your odds to just win that football game. So from the storyline perspective, will it be the Eagles are going to roll to a Super Bowl appearance? Daniel Jones is the long term future of the New York Giants or the other option in
2: there as well. Kev, what do you think is most likely? I think all of this is very likely. So to, to be able to tackle this all, I think this all broke perfectly for the Eagles. I don't think the Giants have the sauce to beat them off of a bye in Philadelphia. I think we've seen the Eagles are markedly better. I also think what's worked perfectly is happening on the other side of the bracket because no rookie quarterback has ever made the Super Bowl before. I'm sorry that I don't think Brock Purdy is going to be the guy to buck that trend. I just don't. And as far as the Dallas Cowboys go, while I think they have an incredibly high ceiling, and I was very worried about the Eagles potentially playing them this weekend, the Eagles are not. And I don't think the Cowboys have the consistency that it takes To get to the Super Bowl. I don't think they have shown that they have the consistency to win three in a row. So I think the Eagles are now in a great shot and a great spot to get to the Super Bowl. As far as Daniel Jones goes, very obviously they're going to give him his contract extension. The length of it seems to be up in the air. I hope that the Giants organization and the Giants fans understand, though, that this week is more important than last week. Last week was very encouraging. He was phenomenal, historic, in fact, against the Minnesota Vikings. However, that Vikings defense is horrendous. Daniel Jones has played 42 games, Ben, in the last three years, playoffs included. He's played this Vikings defense twice. He threw for 300 yards both times. In the other 40 games that he's played in the last three years, he's thrown for 300 yards, also twice. That's the gap there. The other monster game he had was against the Indianapolis Colts. As the season progressed, the worst team in football. All I, all I am saying is that Daniel Jones, as that game carried on, and everybody's saying, "Oh, he's clearly won." He's he's made himself all this money. He has, but value this Eagles game as much as you do him playing one of the worst defenses in the NFL. That will certainly
1: be a storyline that arises from the second of two on Saturday. What will it be from the nightcap on Sunday that rounds out the divisional round in Santa Clara? It is Brock Purdy and the Niners booked as the early four-point favorite against those Dallas Cowboys. So, Kev, after the game, as a result of it, will the storyline be one... Trey Lance is now on the trade block as Brock Purdy is the future. The Cowboys should be the favorites in the NFC if they pull off the upset or that third option as the other as well.
2: Yeah, number three, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, the most overrated quarterback in the National Football League, and there should be, quite frankly, zero battle for his services this offseason. Brock Purdy has come in, has been unquestionably better than him. I don't know what any Garoppolo backer's excuse would be. And here's the other thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. And while this is unfortunate, it is true. Has I have to listen to, again, ah, do we pay Lamar? Little injured. Running quarterbacks. I don't know what we do with these running quarterbacks. What's Garoppolo's excuse for never being healthy? You want an injury-prone quarterback that has been put in the greatest situation it feels like we've ever seen who has now been completely outplayed by a seventh-round rookie. And I'm supposed to believe that seven different teams are going to be competing to give him $25 million a year. Yeah, that doesn't make much sense to me.
1: I like taking the third and other option to share your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo. Beautifully done. We'll get to more on the morning after up next.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Three of the four divisional round games here in the National Football League. We have given you our thoughts on what the storyline will be Mm. based on the result. But we saved the best for last, although it's the third of four games that we will see in the divisional round weekend. As we look at Buffalo and Cincinnati, the Bills and the Bengals, Kevin Walsh, as you are here once again with us on a Tuesday live on the morning after on Good. We'll get to buy or sell In just a couple of moments, we're going to finish with the divisional round live right here. Kev, the Bills a four-point favorite at home in Western New York against the Bengals. As we now look at it, the spread has moved to four and a half in favor of Buffalo. Your thoughts on the game will expand into the storylines that will result. After the result of the Bengals and Bills in Buffalo on Sunday after, will the storyline more likely be the Bills are a team of destiny, the Bengals have won the Super Bowl last year, but will do it this year. Or the other option thrown in there as well.
2: I think those are both very intriguing options. And I'm very open to number one being the correct answer. The Buffalo Bills, if they do beat Cincinnati, what I think is maybe a bit lost in the decision that the NFL made is they will go to Super Bowl favorites. They will be favorites over the Chiefs in that AFC championship game due to the fact that it's going to be a neutral field. And they will be favorites over anybody that they would then play in the Super Bowl, no matter what the option is. So even if maybe they're not a team of destiny, which I I know what we're kind of getting at there, they will go back to the favorites to win the Super Bowl yeah. if they beat the Cincinnati Bengals because they would be favored in any remaining matchup on the card, probably by a field goal or more.
1: And Kev, that's the important point. Yesterday we had our guy Dave Sharapan on the show, our sports book conciliary, who plugged in the numbers into his model based on the AFC title odds that we currently have to figure out what a two-game parlay would look like to win an AFC championship based on the Bills and the Bengals money line and KC's money line against the Jaguars. In that scenario, Buffalo would be around a a point-and-a-half favorite for a potential neutral site matchup in Atlanta for the AFC Championship game. Think minus 122 on the money line for Buffalo, even money, plus 100 for the Chiefs. So Kev is spot-on in that assessment. Now time to go around the association, Kevin Walsh, as we continue here on The Morning After. From the NFL to the NBA, we now play Buy or (laughs) Sell. Kev, why one old man last night in Tampa Bay did not look too good in Tom Brady as his team lost by 17 points. Another elderly gentleman in at least his profession in the NBA. Mm. 38-year-old LeBron James looks anything but like it's his 20th season in the National Basketball Association. And listen, we come to expect this with LeBron. He is making what is happening right now look incredibly easy. It is not. At the age of 38 in his 20th year in the NBA, Look at the stat line last night against the Houston Rockets. 48 points, eight boards, nine assists, efficient from the floor, 16 of 26. Kev, they did beat the Rockets last night, but when you look at the Lakers overall, they still are third to last in the Western Conference, still four games below 500. So the buy or sell question to you
2: is this. LeBron James will eventually request a trade from the Lakers. So for and, – and I know what we're getting at here because LeBron can't be traded this season, right? So the answer to that is obviously going to depend so much on on what we see from the rest of this year. And for the Lakers, who I do think will make a move before the deadline, it, it's all going to then come to how the rest of this plays out. I think when you look at the state of the Western Conference, the favorites to win the whole the, to win the West are a 500-basketball team right now the Lakers just get into the tournament they get into one of the top eight seeds they'll have as good of a chance as anybody because that means they're playing great basketball LeBron's clearly a top 10 player in the league probably higher Anthony Davis the last time we saw him was playing at an MVP type of level so for the Lakers if this season ends with a legitimate run Ben I don't think so but if this season ends with a flame out no playoffs It could be time for them to part ways because the Lakers might even be interested in that in terms of then recouping some assets themselves. If all they care about are first round draft picks in the future.
1: Kev 33 to one is that price you see on the Lakers right there to win the Western conference quickly here. How realistic do you think it is? The Lakers are evaluated as the
2: eighth best team in the West, which would at the moment, put them in the play in tournament. Yeah. So it's one of those things. It's, it's a good enough number because it's long enough to get people to bet it, but not short enough to think oh they're definitely going to be in that's the difference we don't know if the lakers will be in but they can do more damage even if a portland a minnesota a sacramento are more likely to get there the lakers can do significantly more damage
1: you see that team right there with the third best price the memphis grizzlies the number two seed in the west last year plus 480 to win the western conference right now the grizzlies have won 10 straight basketball games, tied with the Denver Nuggets for the best record in the Western Conference at the moment, 30-13 and straight up. A 10-game win streak, covering last night as a 12-and-a-half point favorite at home against the Phoenix Suns, who are on a drastic slide, winning by 30 points. The Memphis Grizzlies, Kevin, now also won 17 of their 21 games. As we look at this 10-game win streak for John Morant and the Grizz, the buy-or-sell question to you, Kevin Walsh, is this, the Memphis Grizzlies are currently
2: the best team in the Western Conference. Buy, total buy. They should be the favorites in the Western Conference as well. They have the second-best net rating in basketball, best defensive rating in the entire NBA. Compare that to the Denver Nuggets, who whose defensive rating right now is 18th. That's, that's a very difficult thing to do, it, it, try and make a legitimate run with a defense as vulnerable as Denver's is. And the reality for Golden State, the Clippers, the Suns is... They're all untrustworthy, and not just because of their records, by the way. But if your belief is, well, Golden State's record, Phoenix's record, LA's record is because they're injured, which is an acceptable thought, who's to say they're going to be healthy? I mean, we know the Clippers aren't, right, obviously. I mean, we've known that for a long time, no matter what people like to try and tell themselves. Suns, though? Very concerning. Plus they don't I don't know if any of them really like one another. And then Golden State are the favorites, still dangerous, but I don't think they should be favored over Memphis right now. The Grizzlies, to me, are the best team in the West, Ben.
1: Kev, when you look at the Western Conference odds, quickly once again, when do you think those odds will start to reflect the standings that have the Grizzlies and the Nuggets tied Mm -hmm. atop the Western Conference with the best records? Teams like the Pels making some noise as well. When do you think these odds will match what we see and correlate to the standings that we have in the Western Conference?
2: I would argue this is about as good as you're going to get until then maybe with only a few weeks remaining. Denver and Memphis jumping the Clippers and the Suns is not something that the books did likely. Uh, lightly, they held on to that for a long time. Why Golden State is so dangerous? They have a very long streak of winning at least one road game in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I know they're obviously. I think they, are they the worst road team in basketball? Obviously, right near the very very bottom. But yeah. for Golden State, if they're the eighth seed it's the old LeBron memes right you guys spend all 82 for home court advantage I take it in one game Golden State wins the first game in a Denver well then all of a sudden now Denver's on the back burner there
1: Kev the Warriors were the worst road team in all of basketball at least away from San Francisco but a neutral court victory against the Spurs on Friday night a victory last night for the Dubs in the nation's capital where Steph scored 41 they get their fifth road win they're 5 and 17 away from home the only yeah. team with a worse road record is the houston rockets who lost last night in los angeles as we go around the nba kev no Giannis last night for the bucks yeah. no chris middleton as we have seen for a good majority of this year for milwaukee stepping up drew holiday 35 points 11 dimes the first ever 35.10 assist or more performance for drew holiday in his lengthy nba career big game bp bobby portis a double double as well 21 points 11 boards the uh the bucks win at home 132 119 against the pacers covering as a five point favorite but kev as you look at the bucks and project out their outlook for the entirety of this season we haven't seen chris middleton a ton this year he's played in just seven he returned in december and has not played since december 15th so the buy or sell question to you buy or sell the bucks need chris middleton truly healthy to truly contend for an eastern conference crown and thus
2: an nba championship I don't want to give you a non-answer. I don't mean to play semantics, but they can contend without Middleton. They went to the seven games last year with the Boston Celtics. Middleton's only played seven games this year. They've been right towards the top of the Eastern Conference in his absence. So what that means is if they go into a series with a Boston, a Brooklyn, a Philly, it'll be a short line. The expectation will be that the Bucks can win that series. The gap, though, of Middleton there or not is expecting Milwaukee To win this series. I still think the fully healthy version of the Bucs will see them, I don't know, maybe they don't transition to the favorites because of home court advantage, but I think they would be the popular pick in any series they would land in fully healthy. That's kind of the gap there. They're contenders without him. They're not the favorites, certainly, though. It's a really
1: good point. Contending is a different thing than being the expected team to win that series or win a basketball game. In that game in Milwaukee last night, Benedict Matherin, the rookie out of Arizona, just 12 points, 0 of 2 from deep, just 3 of 8 from the floor overall but Benedict Matherin has been sensational in his rookie year with the Indiana Pacers averaging north of 17 points per game but Paolo Benquero, the number one overall pick in last summer's NBA draft a heavy odds on favorite to win rookie of the year so Kev we look at the man that makes me want to change my name to Benedict buy or sell Ben Matherin should lead of the year but win the sixth man of the year award in
2: the NBA no, s- certainly not. He's he's not been better than Russell Westbrook. I, I listen. Benedict Matherin has obviously been great for the Indiana Pacers. I'm sure they feel great about that draft selection. But this is Russ's award. I think he just the other night broke the record for triple uh, double- doubles off the bench, which is preposterous because that's a thing he obviously didn't do until this season. Uh, Russell Westbrook, in in terms of all the advanced metrics, are in front of Benedict Matherin on off rating in front of Benedict Matherin. I, I and this is hardly any laker bias thing i tried to trade russ for months on end but russ has just he's just flatly been better and more valuable than the rookie yeah
1: russ minus 125 right now to win the nba sixth man of the year award benedict mathrin that fifth best price jordan Poole, the second best odds to win sixth man of the year at five to one palo banquero by the way Minus 1,000, a 10-to-1 favorite, a 100-to-1 favorite, excuse me, to win that NBA Rookie of the Year. Kev, quickly here, Nikola Jokic, now the short favorite to win the NBA MVP for a third consecutive year. Plus 175, 75 cents ahead of Luka Doncic. Buy or sell on the fly here. The Joker can win a third straight NBA MVP.
2: Apparently, I don't know what happened. I I don't know when they stopped caring about this award. If we want, we can just throw them all out. But this is obviously ridiculous. See, here's the thing. The people that are going to vote for Nikola Jokic are going to say, well, hold on a minute. He's the best player in the NBA. Do you want us to not give it to the best player in the NBA? No, that's fine. What we're going to do then is we're going to go back. We're going to give Michael nine MVPs. We're going to give LeBron nine MVPs. And we're going to right the wrong here, right? Jokic, value over replacement has been a great indicator of who's going to win the MVP award. Jokic is the favorite or leading in value over replacement. He's led it two years in a row, right? Guess what? LeBron led in value over replacement eight years in a row. Did he win any MVPs? No. Michael did it seven years in a row. Did he win seven MVPs? Absolutely not. This is ridiculous. This should not happen. But apparently the awards don't matter anymore. All right. Give it up to Jokic. Let's give him DPOY, too. Nonsense. Garbage. Garbage.
1: Nuggets are tied for the best record in the Western Conference at 13. They Round one elimination. More in the
2: morning after Yeah, now. I know. No. More to Kevin. Now.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Counting out the opening hour of a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Kevin Walsh has been here for a majority of the opening hour as well we delved into this just ever so slightly following the result last night in tampa bay the buccaneers going down their season over as they fall by 17 in the nfl playoffs against the dallas cowboys was that the last game we ever see of tom brady in the national football it was the question to you and fade the public Kev, a pretty simple question with maybe more complex answers. At TV on Twitter, has Tom Brady played his last NFL game? Two options for you, yes or no. Most of the public saying no. 57% of the public, in fact, saying no. Kev, you agree with the public, so I'll ask you this slightly different question. Has Tom, mm. Tom Brady played his last game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer?
2: I tell you what, Benny, that is an even easier question than the other one. I, I, I oh. think he is more likely to retire than be in Tampa Bay. I fully expect him mm-hmm. to move elsewhere. I saw Ian Rappaport throw out the Titans. He threw out the Niners. He threw out the Raiders. Whoa! Can I continue to make the case for the Jets, though? I still think it's a perfect landing spot. In terms of weaponry around him offensively, they're going to be able to check a lot of boxes. In terms of the defense being able to carry him if need be, they'll certainly check that box. I think he'd be over the moon to play the Patriots twice, despite what he would say. And also, I think the Jets would love to sell their fan base on Zach Wilson taking a season to learn from Tom Brady. It's a little too perfect, if you ask me. Kevin Walsh, they need you there in the Jets front office. Joe
1: Douglas about to hit the horn very, very quickly. Kevin Walsh, thank you so much, as always, for your time here on The Morning After. Hour number two of T. is up next.